My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. I didn't realize this till I got into it, but I had to look hard enough to find the pluses in me that I could um, call strengths and then start to monetize them. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode of Mindset Monday, we're chatting with property and life coach Jill McIntyre. We'll be discussing the topic of back on the bike which delves into how to move on from a loss and get back into the game. McIntyre provides us with some personal stories as well as strategies that you can use and much, much more. Jill McIntyre is a property coach but also a life coach. She has gone through her fair share of struggles which is why she is able to relate to people and help them solve their problems. She shares a personal story of a time where she needed to get back on the bike. I had a, a number of losses in, in my life from my husband dying onwards and a pretty major events obviously that uh, I got to the point where I had to decide was I going to sink or swim and with two young children I decided that that was it, um, I'm going to swim but I was way out of my depth, didn't have um, self-esteem or self-worth back in those days many years ago but I had, uh, I had to keep a roof over my children's head. I had to continue on and keep on looking for an avenue where I could bring in more money. And property was one avenue that I started on and, of course, it eventually developed into what I do today as a life business and property coach. But when I was very, very green and naive in property and I was just starting out in a property course, I was introduced to a... Uh, gift of the gab salesperson and I eventually entrusted all of my money from the house when I'd sold it uh, into a deal and uh, got into three deals which were all duds. So the pickup point from that was where do I go to from here and as shared in our last uh, interview was what do we do when we have a massive loss and today is all about how do we get on and move on from that loss? What do we do when we've gone in and looked at our emotions and looked at a healing process, process behind it and set some things in motion? And what we need to do, once we make that shift in mindset that we are going to move forward, we are going to go back into, say, more property deals, what do we have to put into place to make it happen? 
and for me, I can, I suppose, the best way is to share my personal experiences. For me, I sat down and I worked on a number of different areas of which I could get back into property or get into property because by then I had no money. So apart from not having self-esteem and self-worth, I didn't have property know-how back, back then and I had no money. So I had a few things that weren't really, um, I suppose, on my side, just to, for want of a better word, Tyron. Um, and so I had to work through each of those individual situations. Instead of them being a problem that were going to stop me, what solutions could I come up as an outcome? And one of them, say, for example, was I had to be a sponge and learn to be a sponge with everything property-related so that I could gain enough insight and knowledge so that I could really assess the situation as to where my money went and take responsibility instead of leaving that decision to other people. And so even at that level, time was very tight because I was up to my neck in debt and I had uh, one stage three jobs that I was doing to keep afloat. So in a situation like that, we can tell ourselves and keep on telling ourselves we don't have time. But the bottom line is we do have time if our why factor is big enough to move forward and make time. It might mean that you've got to get up at half past five in the morning instead of six o'clock. And in that half hour, you start to be working on uh, your strategies, your why factor, what motivates you or something that's going to be inspirational. To get over loss, you need to find a reason that will motivate you to keep going. McIntyre talks to us about her why factor. In fact, my why factor is never, ever go back to where I was or with my children when they were so young. And these days, I'm a grandmother, so many years ago. But I could say without doubt that after my husband died for a number of years, I was living on Struggle Street mentally, physically and emotionally. It just, I just felt as if I was the target for lots of things that were, um, yeah, not not in happy land to say the least, mentally, physically and emotionally and financially. It was the financial struggle all the way along and that had to be turned around. After going through a loss, you need to have a plan of action on how you're going to be able to move forward. We find out about some strategies that McIntyre used to get back on the bike. I had enrolled in a property course and that property course was the beginning of me getting into another world. What I did was get out of my comfort zone and because I've got a hearing problem too, I don't always find it easy to hear in large areas. But nevertheless, um, I certainly got to the point where I would sit in the front row. I'd put myself out there and nearly shrivel up in fear that someone was going to ask me a question being in the front row that I had to be there. Um, I also put myself out there to go and meet other people and work on what my strength was that I could contribute to their deals. What were my strengths? And at that stage, it was I was pretty good on numbers and I certainly wasn't good on property. <laughs> I'd lost a lot, but good on numbers and good on 
talking and starting to build up confidence to be able to talk to real estate agents. And on the ground type stuff, I was very, very good. I didn't realise this till I got into it, but I had to look hard enough to find the pluses in me that I could um, call strengths and then start to monetize them. The more I got into those strengths, the more that the confidence built and the more that um, I was able to then get in to negotiating on deals in a team and being able to stand the ground and asking in-depth questions, but asking it in such a way that the people didn't realise that I was talking to, that I was really delving further down. McIntyre had suffered some losses early in her property career and there are various opportunities out there. So why did McIntyre decide to continue down the path of property? It was funny because when I was given a free ticket to uh, this personal development intro night, um, going back a little bit from that particular situation, I was given them um, from a couple of girls that I'd met. They interviewed me for a television interview on Today Tonight or something of overlosing the franchise. And I can remember as the event came closer, I rang one of the, the girls up. They were the, the sound people and the camera people. And we, I'd got to know them quite well. And I said to them, is this going to be a waste of my time going? I won't be able to hear because, of course, I always found it um, difficult. And one of the girls just said to me, go along and see what happens. So I did. And strangely enough, the guy had a head mic and I could hear. Now, I didn't have the money to pay for a big ticket item in personal development or anything else, but I signed up. Because I could hear, that was gold to me. And that was the beginning then for signing up there. I then, on the drive home, I thought, oh, how am I going to pay for it? But it's funny, so there was a few sleepless nights there, but it's funny, if you really look that this is what you're going to do, you will find the money. And yes, there had to be a bit a bit of a negotiation on when I would pay and these sorts of things, but I got the money. I went to that five-day intensive course, Tyron, and it was all on mindset. It was on share trading and it was also on property investing. And the guy who ran the main, who, who did the intro um, night, he also ran the mindset um, intensive and he also ran the property, uh, the, the segments on property. The share trading guy was German and a very strong accent, or do you think I could understand him, little alone hear him? So it was a lay down for Mazares for me, <laughs> and property was just something that I thought I'd rather get into than share trading anyway. So that's how I got into property. You need to be able to think on the fly and overcome different obstacles, which sometimes can be yourself. Sometimes do some lateral thinking on, on um, where we find the money. I think there was a show on television last week, make 20000 or something in a short space of time. And it's about selling something on, on Gumtree and it's about all of the ways that you can um, go and do dog walking, for example. Get up earlier and do dog walking in your area and pick up some money. Look after an animal in your home. There's good money to be made there and you might only need one. Uh, but it's good on a daily basis where a lot of people go away and what their, their animal nurtures at home. There's all different ways to make money. But if 
if we come at it from the point of view of I can't do that, we'll stop there. If we look at it as where am I getting the money from, how can I get the money, what's going to happen, well, then the ripple effect of positive thinking that evolves. In that, that area when you're setting up, you know, how I can get money, do you think that there are obstacles to climb over, Tyron, at each point? And the biggest one is our ego. Because every time you come up with a positive thinking, your ego will try and shoot you down with a hundred reasons why as to why you shouldn't be doing it. Your ego wants to keep you in a stuck situation. It wants to control you. And I now look at ego from the third person looking in that any time I'm doing something and if there's, you know, my stomach's all screwed up and I'm feeling that my ego is something's giving me all of the reasons why I can't do something, I look at it from the third person in objectively and think, is that my ego talking? Well, I if I do move forward and I make um, virtually a plan to move forward and try all different angles of that plan and strategy to put it into place, if I look at it like that strategically, if I fail, at least I've given it a go not given up before I've even started because our self-confidence will pull us back. But everything related to ego, everyone listening in, stop and think when you want to do something that's positive, that's out of your comfort zone, automatically does your brain start to be thinking with a 100 things and reasons why you shouldn't be moving forward? Yes, that happens all the time for me. Like even just yesterday, after driving home, I was thinking to myself, there's so many opportunities that I want to pursue. Uh, property development, you know, do a few more deals, expand the podcast, um, so many different marketing options and so forth. And automatically, my brain's going, gosh, there's so much to do. I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed. I don't know if I can do this. And then I just, I just, it's got stuck. My brain just stopped. And this is, this is perfect. You know, like, I love how you just said just look at the different options and look from a third point of view to see how you can actually overcome that that barrier because, yes, it is the ego. It's telling you you can't do it, you can't do it. And it's toxic, but we don't realize that it's controlling us. And the more to, the more that we implode, I suppose is a good word, the more that we implode on us can't, you know, we can't do something, the further down we go. We allow it to happen. And this isn't anyone else's fault. We are in control here. If we're not aware of the game we're playing, we can't do anything about it. So it's about being aware that ego is stopping you, like all of the questions that were coming up for you yesterday. How am I going to fit it into my day? And I know from conversations you and I have had, automatically when we have a session, you and I, I'd go in, okay, Here's some ideas. Let's do some brainstorming. And it's fabulous. We all need someone that's on that same level of thinking that can think outside the square, that does dare to move beyond the line that's just set in front of us. It's imaginary, but it's there. Coming up after the break, we'll delve further into the topic of back on the bike with Jill McIntyre and what you need to remain focused on. What we need to do is to bring our thinking 
back to the now. If I work on the now, I don't have future or past fears coming in. The positives you can get out of meditation or hypnosis. It's about slowing you down, slowing your body down, taking the tension out of your body. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shump and you're listening to Mindset Monday on Property Investory. McIntyre has talked about some of the different strategies she uses, but now she delves into how to implement them into your day-to-day life. I think what's needed is that you've got to look at yourself from a very um, objective point of view. I always love going out of my body and looking at a Jill McIntyre as a third person. What are you looking in and seeing? Is it someone that really is... Um, yeah, stuck in her own way or not good at um, thinking outside the square or, you know, from an objective point of view, often we're too close to be able to be objective about ourselves because we're so caught up on this should have happened or it hasn't happened this way or I haven't got time or all of the excuses. And having, yeah, this is what I do with my clients on a daily basis is looking from the outside in and yes, I'm not involved, but oh, I get so excited with building ways and streams of income and how to look at different solutions because the beautiful thing here is if we start to come up with some positive ideas, they mightn't fit at that point of time. But what they will do is every solution that your possible solution you're coming up with, it will raise your bar of thinking. That raised bar of thinking will then take you on to a different train of thought that could be in another total angle. Because you could raise your bar of thinking, Tyron, about how am I going to fit it and what's going to happen. And if you stay in that negative state, with ego controlling you, you're not going to go anywhere. But if you think there's a solution to be found here, strangely enough, three days later, you could bring me up and say, Jill, I've just had an interesting conversation with a guy who does A, B, C and D. And that will take over the situation that you, or the seed that you planted, that will then raise you, the solution came to you two days later. But if we work with a closed mind, Nothing happens. No one comes into it. I always say, if you've got the shingle out the front of your shop to say that you're open for business today, or is it closed? We find out about the concept of visualization and how it can improve your mindset and get you back on track. If we work on a loss, we we quite often go down into a limited uh, thinking. I can't do this because of whatever, and fear is our major one. And... The the fear stats are quite interesting. 40% of what we fear is in the future. 30% of what we fear is in our past. So before we go anywhere, if I'm looking to move forward um, in property, say, for example, and I've had a loss, all of a sudden, anything that might happen, oh, I could lose my job. So that'll come in as a fear of the future. Or... 
Um, yes, the plug was pulled over out of my property last time. It's going to happen again. So 70% of our fears are consumed out of our past and uh, future and past thinking. 12% is on our health and well-being. And you've heard me say before, if I've got a sore toe today, I get onto Mr. Google and by tonight it's got gangrene, it needs amputated. We overthink, <laughs> we overthink what we're doing and then we've got Eight is miscellaneous, uh, sorry, um, 10% is miscellaneous fears. And the last 8% are really legitimate fears. But only 4% of that can we actually change. So we spend so much of our time worrying about future things, worrying about past things, worried about things that maybe could happen when it all boils down there's only 4% of things or 8% that are legitimate, but only 4% we can change. So why do we waste time going with fear? What we need to do is to bring our thinking back to the now. If I work on the now, I don't have future or past fears coming in. When I'm working on a visualisation for where I'm going, I do this every month with my intentions as I write my intentions. I do my goals as long and short-term goals, but I work on my visualisations, my intentions. What have I achieved one month on? And I write those intentions, which is all part of a visualisation. I write those intentions as if it's already happened. I've got to paint a picture for my subconscious of the outcome. What does it look like? Down to the feeling, smelling, touching that it's so real to me that that outcome has evolved. And visualization can take you to another space. It can also help you very much with creating direction that you haven't had before. But you've got to have the peace of mind to allow you to visualize too, um, Karen. Because if you aren't at peace within your own head, um, visualisation, you won't even get to uh, two seconds past closing your eyes and you won't be able to bring any further in. McIntyre is a big proponent of clearing your mind, which enables you to make better decisions. We can meditate. But I love hypnosis. And hypnosis, I can certainly get down to that meditation if it's guided meditation because I've got a hearing problem uh, whoever's presenting if it's a guided one their voice goes down down there and of course I get frustrated then because I can't hear where with hypnosis I love it because it's like a crescendo building up and the momentum building up but that's only a personal thing you could um, put some music on and totally relax and deep breathing and I'm not talking about rap here, I'm talking about something that is is going to be slowing you down. It's all about slowing the mind down. It's about slowing you down, slowing your body down, taking the tension out of your body. And quite often when we've got a very busy day or something happening like that, I do it every morning in the shower. That's one space where the water coming over me, yes, I love the heat of the water, but it's also even as I know that I'm going to be talking to you today, it's all about put the words into my mouth and the thoughts into my mind to make it flow. 
and it's part of my daily ritual that I do with all that I, I've got. So visualisation is very much about projection. Where are you going? But you can visualise and you can project, but unless you take ownership of that visualisation and projection, it's useless. One of the biggest problems that people have is creating that habit. McIntyre talks to us about the easiest way to fit these strategies into your routine. Come back to why are you doing this? Say at the moment I'm you know, losing weight because I've had to lose weight. I've had gone and an angiogram and been told by the heart specialist I've got to do something about it. And I hopped on the scales this morning and I've lost four kilos and I'm pretty excited because really it's been pretty easy. But... Obviously, I know that I've got to go back to that guy in an hour, another five and a half months. Do you think he's going, <laughs> going to give me a hard time if I haven't lost weight? And I'm not grossly overweight, by the way. Um, it is just something I've got to get more exercise in and I've got to lose weight. Now, these are things that my wife factor is that I want to live for another 25 years at least, see my grandchildren married and grow up and really be an inspiration to everyone that I touch with my family and close ones. And that's a driving force for me now. So we've got to have something that is going to make you accountable to keep you on track. If you're going to set a um, virtually I'm going to do something, Always prepare what you're going to do at least the day before so that you know what time in the day you're going to get up or do what. And know what you're going to do. Don't go into that time in the morning at 5.30 in the morning and think, okay, now what will I do today? And yeah, I'm feeling a bit slow. I'll just get a coffee first of all. And the time will be wasted. If you write down in your diary what your plan, and you could even do this on a Sunday night, write down in your diary what the plan is every single day for the seven days. I'm a great one to working off a daily planner, a weekly planner, a monthly planner. And I might sound funny, but I've got the big A4 diary because this is where that sort of stuff is written in, apart from everything else in the day. It keeps me accountable. Can you elaborate a little more on this weekly daily plan as well for people who might not know how that works? Anything that I do that is forward thinking, if I don't, say if I need to follow up um, in readiness for you and I to talk today, for example, three days ago, Tyron, I wrote that in that I wanted to contact you yesterday and then I put it out of my mind totally till I found it in the diary at that specific time. It also helps me not to um, work on overloading the brain. It's a way that I can then, once it's in the diary, and everything goes in the diary, when I've got to pay for my phone on a monthly basis, when I've got to pay for things, it's like dumping us. Once it's in there, at the right time it will come to me that I need to work on it because I've set my plan in place to do it. But never get up not knowing what your plan is for the day or the week. And so this is where it's very important that you spend time on your planner. This is where coming back to my intentions, my intentions are set for my month ahead as if they've happened. 
And from each of those intentions, I then work on, if I'm going to, say, um, get into my next property deal and I'm going to have found it one month on, I've got to work on my game plan. What am I going to need over the next week to make that happen, to get that started? What am I going to do by the second week? looking for financial and money partners? What am I doing by the third week? It becomes my timeline from that intention as I work backwards. And do the same in your day, whether it's creating a habit. A habit doesn't happen because you do it for three or four or five days. A habit is created over weeks and months. And don't let your ego talk you out of it. I actually totally resonate with exactly the weekly and the daily plan as well. And I've actually been doing a lot of time blocking because last week I was just saying, okay, I've got X, Y, and Z amount of items that I need to complete. I need to actually look at my plan and go, how do I block these out? Otherwise, I just ended up putting into a to-do list and sometimes I just don't know how long it's roughly going to take. But when you actually mentally look at your calendar and you block it out and say, look, that's going to take an hour, that's going to take two hours to do, it actually forces you to mentally prioritize which are going to be the most important tasks to do. Because, you know, we can all have a list of hundreds and hundreds of tasks, but not all of them are all necessarily highest priority. In my diary, I tick everything as I'm doing it, and I look as I'm doing it also, I mark a line, a a vertical line down the um, beginning of my page where all that day's actions are. And... At the end of the day, I can look back on any day in the diary and if there's a line all the way down, I know everything's done. If there's something missing, was it a must-do today? Was it vital to my today? If if it is vital, I've got to do something about it and get off the butt. If it isn't vital, when can I reallocate that to a time? It couldn't have been on my top of my priority list. Or is it something that I'm putting to the last um, because I really don't want to go there. If that's the case, and we all have suffered from it, you know, there's no doubts about that. And if that's the case, well, shake yourself off, get up, go and do what you want to do and say, my rule of thumb is that I'm not allowed to go to bed at night if it's important until I've done something about it, come to terms with it, worked on a practice plan to make it work. Stop giving yourself excuses and ways out. You know, there's a good show on television, I'll watch that. Or, yeah, I've just had a good invite for dinner, but I might be the instigator of the good invite for dinner. Um, Yeah, show up. It's your life. McIntyre details three of the biggest steps you can take in order to move forward from your loss and get back on the bike. What's your why factor, first of all? How solid is your why factor? Bringing in that you're going to also be working on having people that you are that are going to keep you accountable. Every day I've got a good mate, even this morning I spoke to her before early, early, early. And on a daily basis, probably five, six days out of seven, we have a very early morning call just to keep each other accountable. That is important. You want someone that's not going to nandy pandy to you too, but they're going to make you think, give you direction and keep you on track. You also need to be thinking about working on your visualisation and your intentions, all in the now and in in working on a visualisation that's happened. What do you actually want to achieve one month on? And they've got to be realistic things, but they've got to also raise the bar. So all of these things 
are very much upon creating a habit. What would it mean to you 12 months on to have a given outcome that you've done a, a quick uh, buy, reno, subdivide, sell deal and it's only about 15 minutes from where you live currently? How good would you feel to have another 100 grand in your bank account by doing it? Is that motivation that's going to get you going? Or are you going to be caught up with excuses? And that'll be your ego. Thank you to property and life coach Jill McIntyre, our guest on this episode of Mindset Monday on Property Investory. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.